Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And I love that, too, because it's like, it's like, ooh, you're in trouble. <laughs> I read that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. He's like, guys, come here, I want to talk to you. So they go out to the tabernacle. The Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, um, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses, for he is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And I read that, and the first thing I thought, I mean, it was really not what I was expecting to feel reading the story because I'm just, you know, you're sort of reading, we sort of read through a chapter and you're just kind of reading it to get the information and just to see. And, and I was struck and I was angry. And I had to stop for a second and go, why am I so angry? <laughs> and I realized that I felt, I felt excluded. And when I read the story and what the Lord said about Moses, I wanted that to be said of me so badly um, and I, it, my immediate thought was, it never will be said of me. You know, I've never had a burning bush talk to me and call me to, you know, say unto this people, you'll be my mouthpiece and whatever. That's never happened to me. And I was like, I just got, I got angry for a second. I thought, well, you know, I guess the Lord just picks who he will. And if you're left out, you're just left out. And I just got to be happy with what I have. And I just need to not get mad. I realized that that's the same response that Aaron and Miriam were having to the call of God on Moses' life. They were bitter about it because the Lord hadn't spoken to them in that same way. But I, what, I looked at the story again, and I realized that God said something about Moses. And it's good news, and it's bad news at the same time. It's good news because everyone is invited. He says... I speak to a prophet in a dream or in a vision, but not so with my servant Moses, for he is faithful in all my house. So he, he gives this stipulation almost, and the stipulation is faithfulness. And I was like, I want God to speak to me face to face. And the literal translation I, read, I was reading um, last week, it literally means mouth to mouth. It's Song of Solomon 1, let him kiss me with the kisses of his word. And I read that this last week when I was doing my notes, and I was like, oh, it moved my heart. I was like, oh, my goodness. He speaks with him mouth to mouth, the intimate kisses of his word. He reveals who he is to Moses' heart. And he was the only man on the earth that he was doing that with at the time. Now, I, I believe with all my heart that we're living in a time where God is going gonna, is gonna to call a company of people to this, he's calling a company of people to this kind of intimacy. And um, the good news is that nobody is excluded from this invitation. Friendship with God is not for an elite group of people who have had a burning bush experience. Um, the Bible makes it very clear that each individual in Christ has access to the thoughts and the heart and the emotions of God. Um, 
First uh, Corinthians 2, 9 says, you know, our ver- most of us know this verse, I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for, for those who love him. And um, raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Most of us have heard that verse. And you go, wow, that's so, that's so intense. You know, there's deep things in God that, that I'll, never, I'll never discover. But that's not what it's saying. You know, we read verses like this and we think, oh, wow, how unsearchable is God, which is true. You can't get to the end of him. But it's not saying that we can't know. You know, if, if there were things in the heart of God that were inaccessible to us, how would we be united with him? Like, the, the whole purpose of humanity is to be, is union with God, to be closer to him than anything else in creation. And it's, it's been the call on us since we were created, and it's the call on us now. And, and Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross, raised, was raised from the dead, and gave us the Holy Spirit. He bridged the gap between God and man, not just for the purpose of salvation, but for the purpose of union with his heart and his emotions, that not only would we just sort of hang out with God in eternity, that we would forever and ever and ever be searching and be finding out, but never reaching the end of who he is. That's just like, that's what that verse is saying. And, and, and this is my favorite part. You know, no eye has seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of a man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But... This is verse 10, but, there's a but right there. God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And I read that and I'm like, I'm like okay, God has revealed those things to me through his spirit. And I'm, and I'm reading this story and I'm going, I don't feel like those things are revealed to me. <laughs> like I still, I still don't get most of the things I read in the Bible. I read it and I'm like, Sometimes, sometimes I go, oh, that makes sense. You're so awesome. And sometimes I'm like, what in the world were you thinking? That feels so backwards to me. I don't know why you dealt with that person that way. You know, and it's frustrating. It, it should be frustrating because we're not meant to just go, wow, that was cool. High five God and move on. We're meant to go, I don't get it. Explain this to me. And this is what it means to be a friend of God. It's to search these things out. Now we have, verse 12, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, this is so exciting to me because I'm not excluded from this level of intimacy. And no human being that has the Holy Spirit and the word is excluded from this invitation. God has extended through the resurrection the invitation to every one of us to be as close to him as we want to be. And immediate response is, woohoo, that's so exciting, good news, we're not left out. But there is a backlash to that reality, and the backlash is there is a, a role and a response that is, that is necessary for us to, to, um, to act out on the outside and on the inside in order to enter in. And... There's a, there's a process of relationship with God. It's, he initiates, we respond, and he answers our cry. Now, the initiation is awesome. It feels great. The response little, it feels a little bit different because I'm about to explain a little bit more about it, and, and part of the reason it's, it is really di- it's difficult. Simple, but difficult. 
Um, first, he initiates what he wants by declaring it in his word and awakening our hearts by his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We read something in the Bible, and it strikes our heart, and we go, uh, uh, take the Sermon on the Mount, for example. We read, you know, you shall not look at a woman lustfully. And, we, and you go, oh, you know, I don't want to lust in my heart. I, you read that, and you're like, oh, I want to I desire purity. And, it, and it, it preaches good, and it feels good, and, but it lives harder than it preaches. And you go to walk it out, and you go, man, what I say I want with my mouth and what I act like I want in my life feels so contradictory. And it's sad because a lot of times people just give up, and they go, well, I can't live up to it. I can't measure up, so I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm just going to hope that God does his part, and I'm going to keep asking for grace, asking for grace, asking for grace. And if my heart doesn't grow then it's God's fault for not giving me enough grace. And I'm telling you that that's not the case. The grace has been extended to us. And even, I mean, I sit in the prayer room all night long with a Bible in my hand from midnight to 6 a.m., six nights a week. And I'm like, I, sometimes I'm just like, why don't I love you more? This doesn't make sense to me. I have this, I was talking to my friend last night and I was saying, we have been given here, like, I'm talking about, like, like staff members at IHOP, we sit in the prayer room, that's our job, to read the Bible is our job, and um, some of you are going, oh my gosh, if that were just my job, I would just, oh my gosh, I'd do it all the time, yes, you would do it all the time, but you would hit this thing where you're like, wow, what I feel like I want, and what I act like I want, sometimes really contradict each other, and that hurts really bad, and so we have to hit that wall, and we have to figure out what's going on, respond in righteousness, and understand that, you know, just because I have never had, you know, I mean, some of you guys have heard stories about people who've had visitations. A lot of you in this room maybe hopefully have had visitations where, you know, Jesus shows up in your room and he says, say thus to the people, give them my my word, and here, take my burden, I'm going to put it in you. And I, like, I hear these I've heard stories like this, and I just, and, and, I, and I know that I'm not supposed to be mad, but if we're really going to be honest about it, it makes me mad. Because I'm like, where's mine? Why? I mean, I can't even tell you guys how many times I've sat in my living room or my bedroom and gone, okay, when I open my eyes, please just be sitting at the foot of my bed and tell me something. And open the eyes, and, and no one's sitting at the end of the bed. I mean, when I was a teenager, when I first got saved, I would just weep and say, Jesus, why can't, like, I hear these stories, and I'm like, why don't you do that to me? What do I have to do to get you to like me enough to, like, give me the visitation, that I'd be, like, the special one? And part of it was sincere, where I, like, really just wanted an encounter. Part of it was that I wanted to be super cool and tell everybody that Jesus, you know, thought that there was something, you know, you know, the little spark in me that, that I did something special that he showed up in my room. And it's not about that. It's not about God looking and going, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you, and then doing it. It's about hunger. And I'm not even saying that if you hunger enough and do enough, Jesus is going to show up and, and give you that revelation. But guess what? He showed up. He showed up, and he gave us this revelation. And those who are faithful with the little that they've been given, the Lord is going to give more. I'm telling you, there's a visitation awaiting us at the end of this whole thing that I mean, he's going to answer these prayers. Period. He's going to answer them, and we're going to be like, I guess you answered it face to face. We're going to behold him, and we're going to be like him in an instant. 
we know that prayer is going to be answered. And I'm not saying stop crying out for visitations. Ple- by all means. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, cry out for visitations. But don't exclude yourself because he hasn't showed up the way that you expect him to show up. Because he has showed up. The word says that he has spoken to us by his son. He's given us the written word and he's given us the Holy Spirit to breathe on our hearts as we read it, as we meditate on it, as we give ourselves to obedience, loving his commandments. John 15, 15, Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have declared to you. Colossians 1.9, I do not cease to pray for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Again, this, this opportunity has been extended to every single person in this room. We have all been given access to this, which means that God wants to make himself known. And in order to respond we have to first understand that it is a burning desire in his heart to reveal himself to you. He is not withholding because he's angry and stingy. We have to understand that. Um, if we don't believe that he longs to reveal himself, what will happen is, is we will fail to ask of him. Um, thinking that he's a stingy God who withholds because he's so hard to please. And I don't know about you guys, but if I know that somebody doesn't want to give something to me, I don't want to ask him for it. You know, when I know that someone is just exploding, wanting to give me everything, I am so much more inclined to go to them and say, I know you want to, so do it. And when it doesn't come tomorrow, don't get discouraged. You go again the next day and you go, I know you want to, so do it. And no matter what our external circumstance says, we don't, you know, we don't judge truth by what's going on only in our external circumstance. Just because I don't have abundance of revelation tomorrow after I pray the prayer doesn't mean that God is not answering it. This thing is, this thing is about cultivating something over time. God, I mean, we read it all throughout the Word. Even those guys like Moses and Abraham and people at visitation, it's not like they matured overnight. And became super duper awesome overnight. I mean, the first time Moses got called, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to do it. No, I I can't, I can't, I can't. And he was just steeped with false humility and just a lack of believing that God was able to do what he wanted to do through him. He said, please send by the hand of another. And sometimes, you know, when we get that call to rise up, we go, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it looks kind of humble. But I'm telling you, that is not humility. It's not cute to God. The response that he gave Moses was his anger was aroused against him. And he's like, uh, finally, he goes, okay, fine. Aaron will be my mouthpiece. You don't want to do it. Okay. And he still, you know, gave grace and mercy, but he was angry. Like the Lord is like, that's not, it's not endearing that you pretend like I can't do what I want through you. Because what you're saying when you say that is my weakness is stronger than your strength. And no matter what you say, God, you just don't understand. You don't understand how unable and unqualified I am. I know you think I'm awesome, you think I'm lovely, even though I'm dark, but you just don't, you just don't get it. I'm like really dark. 
And he's like, no, trust me. I really get it more than you get it. You don't even know how dark you are, actually. <laughs> so, so get up <laughs> and do something. Um, sometimes in the responding we can tend to trust the sovereignty of God in a way that is not at all biblical expecting him to do the role that he's assigned to us like I said a minute ago that we're like give me grace give me grace and it's not it's not that we stop asking the Lord to give grace but there is a point where we get up, stand on our feet, and we do something active. There's an activity that is required by us because God is, the nature of love is voluntary cooperation. The nature of love is not to just enable someone to stay in you know, a, a state of immaturity. And the Lord won't do that with us because he cares about us. And we've said with our own mouths, God, I want to grow God, I want to be mature. God, I want to be close to you. And he's like, okay. Okay, I'll show you how. It's narrow, and it's difficult, but it's possible. Um, some, we sometimes trust in the sovereignty of God in a non-biblical way by expecting him to do the role that he's assigned us. This is, um, is a sneaky form of actual, actually, it's spiritual laziness in a, in a sneaky way that hinders us from having a vibrant friendship with the Lord um, and an unwillingness to seek him fervently and diligently will result in um, a dull spirit and eventually will cause us to misunderstand the leadership of the Lord in our life and in the world around us where um, if we're not giving ourselves to meditation on the word and searching out, God, how do you deal with people? How do you, how do you respond to this? And how do you feel about this? Because, guys, I want to say something. God has opinions about things. He has opinions about things. He has thoughts about what we think and how we act and how we respond. And it's, and it's through a heart of love and mercy and desire to move us forward in maturity that he thinks about our lives and our decisions. And he is so massively involved. I read this um, this entry on one of my friend's blogs the other day, and he, he asked he, he asked the question, how involved is God? How detailed does he get? And I want to say he is so much more detailed than we could even imagine. Everything. And I'm not saying he'll tell you what sweater to wear. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about every movement of our hearts, every thought that we have. When we don't know that he's listening, he's always always listening. He beholds the sons of men that he might comprehend their path. Um, And if we don't give ourselves to this God who has invited us, um, then what will end up happening is we won't understand his ways. And when we don't understand his ways, when our concept of reality because of lack of diligent meditation on the word, because of a lack of obedience to his commandments, Um, what happens is we begin to misinterpret his leadership in our life where something will happen and we'll go, why did that happen? I don't get it. Why why don't you like me? Why don't you love me? Um, And this results in just misunderstanding and eventually, if left unchecked, it will result in offense in our hearts toward his ways. 
So this is a big deal. Like, we have to understand the way he deals with people. He has given us the dignity of voluntary cooperation. John 14, 14, when he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. Uh, right before that, he says, you are my friends if you obey my commands. And I, I read that, and I'm like, immediately it rubs me really bad. Because I'm like, well, I thought God was like the God of love, and he just gives and gives and gives. And yes, he is the God of love. And yes, he gives and gives and gives. But we have to understand that sometimes our concept of love is, a, is skewed. And we think that love equals, you give me what I want, when I want it, how I want it given to me. And that is not what love is. I mean, if I, let me just say something. If I always got what I want, when I wanted it, and how I wanted it, I promise you I would not be sitting here talking to you right now, for one thing. I don't even want to know where I would be if God just sort of flippantly just gave me everything I want, when I want, and did things my way. If God did things my way, we would all be in hell right now. Every one of us. If I were God, which I try to be sometimes in my own life and my decisions, no one could stand. No one. So hallelujah that his ways are not mine. Hallelujah that he withholds because he understands something that I don't understand yet. But I want to. I want to. And, and it's, it, it's more than just asking. Asking is, is not just about me sitting there and going, God, give me your heart. We have to do that. I'm not saying don't do that. You have to do that. But that's not all. Asking is an active thing. It's not just about saying, I want you. It's not about lip service. Loving God is more than word and tongue. It's about deed and truth. It's about doing things when I don't feel like doing them. Because there's a greater desire in me that that overrides and that subdues all of my laziness, all of my proneness to distraction. There's a thing in me that, that trumps all of those fleshly desires to sort of just hang out, you know, whatever. And part of the reason we, part of the reason we don't do these spiritual disciplines is because we don't see results right away. And, and I understand that is, that's painful. It's painful to try for a day and to not see any results. And you're like, I, you wake up the next day and you're like, I just did the same thing I've been doing for the last 10 years and I just can't stop doing it. But I'm telling you, stay with it. You don't stop and say, well, I guess there's not enough grace. That's a lie. There is enough grace. There is enough grace. This concept is extremely difficult for us if we do not understand and love not only his actions but the heart behind the actions. God is not a harsh taskmaster, but he is a jealous lover whose love is so fervent and perfect that it requires everything that we have. Now, this is not about... The commandments of God are not about putting a yoke on us that we have to do ten more things to please him because he's so difficult to please. This call is about coming into the knowledge of a person who will liberate us from all of these chains that are binding us, who will liberate us from the weird ways we relate to people, who liberate us from the funny things we think and the, the gross things that we walk out, even though there's something in us that goes, I don't want to do this. 
We still do stuff, and we're like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And God's going, I want to liberate you from those things. I know you don't want to. And then he comes with the commandment, and we go, why are you like, it's like one more thing. Nothing pleases you. It's not, that is not who he is. Now, and, the, and we need a change of perspective. If you hear the call to repentance, and you go, one more call to repentance, I just can't, I just can't do it, then you need a change of perspective. When you read something in the Bible that says, you know, he who bridles his tongue is himself a perfect man, and you go, well, guess I just can't live up to that. You need a change of perspective. I love Psalm 119 because it, it, it's, a, it's rich with language that expresses a deep love for the commandments of God. And obeying the commandments of God, if we just do it and grit our teeth and do it, that's, that's, you know, struggling against sin. You have that internal thing and you're like battling back and forth, back and forth. You really want to do the thing, but you don't really want to do the thing and you're battling. That's, that counts before God. It's precious. The struggle counts before him. But I'm hungry for the day when sin would rear its head in my face and I would look at it with complete contempt. I don't want to struggle with sin for the next 40 years. I want to look at it and, and have no desire to do it and to walk it out. Jesus said that the, that the God of this age, that the devil has nothing in me. And I, I want the devil to have nothing in me. And what that means is that we are so in love with the ways of God that when darkness approaches us and tempts us, we look at it and we go, you know, I actually don't even want that anymore. It's a change of desire where we desire purity, where when we hear holy things, it's like it's sweet to our heart, where we, we have a hunger to do the will of the Father. Jesus said, it's my food to do the Father's will. The very thing that sustained him that he lived on was to obey God. It wasn't this yoke that he walked around, oh, I have to obey God, and he just pressed through and... Boy, isn't he awesome, even though he really wanted to go do ten goofy things. That is not how he lived his life. He obeyed God in every area, and he loved it. He loved to obey God. It doesn't mean his life was without pain. But I tell you what, if you have a heart like this, your life will be full of pain. You know why? Because you live in a broken, fallen world. And when, when our being is filled with light... It makes living in this world so painful. Psalm 119. I lift my hands to your commandments, which I love. I love reading this. Sometimes I just read this out loud to myself, and I'm just like, oh, dear Lord. It's really cool because if you read it to yourself, I'm telling you all to do this now. This is your assignment. Read Psalm 119 out loud as a declaration concerning your own self. And it'll be hard because you'll get to one thing and you'll be like, I don't feel that way at all, but say it anyway out loud. Um, I lift my hands to your commandments, which I love. I'm like, I love your commandments, God. Yes, I do. Sometimes I don't, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Your law is my delight. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. 103, how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your testimonies are the rejoicing of my heart. 
And over and over, the psalmist is exploding with desire and, and love for the law of God. Sorry. And this is, this is, what, this is what love is. You know, love is not living out some obligation that we don't like. Closeness with God is about loving his ways. And, it's a, and when we love his ways, we obey his commands because we like to. I like purity. You know, I like pure speech. I like to listen to things that are holy and right. I like what's right before God. It, it, it invigorates me. It brings me pleasure. This is, this is our... This is our destiny. It's what we were made for. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what, what intimacy is. And, and um, intimacy is, in a, in a really brief, simple definition, is closeness to the heart of God. And um, I know we hear the word intimacy. And I remember when my pastor first started preaching on this. He started preaching on intimacy, and I was like 16. I'm like, giggle, 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 you know, because I come from such a sexually broken generation that I don't know the purity of closeness. And that word just meant one thing to me, and I just didn't get it. Um, Unfortunately, many people have reduced intimacy with God to warm feelings or manifestations during a good worship song, and that's not what it is. I'm not saying that these kind of encounters are wrong or bad. They're real. But... When intimacy is devoid of, the, of reading and meditating on the word and loving obedience to his commands, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. In fact, it's, that is not the biblical definition of intimacy. Um, that, devoid of, of spiritual discipline in our lives, is it's basically just romantic emotionalism. And we have got... And we are living in a time where there is so much skewed ideas of, of closeness and where we're so relationally messed up that we have got to understand what intimacy is with God because this is a message that the Lord is going to proclaim to this entire generation and he's going to use many of the people in this room to do it. And if we don't really go deep in this and understand what closeness with God is, then not only are we going to lack life and vigor in our inter- in our in our prayer lives but we'll teach others and it will lead people astray emotionalism is dangerous i'm not saying god doesn't move on our emotions i love to get touched in my emotions i love it but i don't live for it i don't live for it cuz how many of you know how many of you are married in this room raise your hand how many of you know that you don't always feel fluffy and warm I'm, I'm not married so i'm like pretending like you know i'm like how many of you know like i do but i have close friends okay <laughs> so <laughs> and i don't always feel like i love them and they're awesome and i don't always feel their love toward me it doesn't mean they don't love me because love sometimes comes down to a choice i'm going to choose to be kind to you even though you just look so unattractive to me right now because of what you're doing I'm going to choose to be kind to you. And sometimes, let me just say this, we know God's perfect, but sometimes he looks unattractive to us. Let's just admit it. We are not like him yet. Intimacy comes when we love who he is and when we are in agreement with the way he does things, not merely in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together 
unless they are agreed. It is the highest glory of a human to know and to understand God. Again, this is what we were created for. Jeremiah 9:23-24. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. From these I take delight. So God, right here, he defines what it means to be a successful human. He says wisdom, riches, strength, talent, beauty. He's like, that's great, but don't think that because you have these things and men praise you, that you're close to me. Let him who glories glory in this, that he understands me and knows me. And this is not about loading up with information concerning God so we can spout it off and impress people. Although, you know, loading up on information is important. This is, it's like, I like to say it's like creating a landing strip for the Holy Spirit. Studying the Word is like creating a place for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and to land and to, to come and to dwell. As, as, and as He moves, we go, oh, I know what that is. That's that thing I read. And it, makes, it begins to unlock. And, you know, you'll read stuff, and you won't understand it. You won't get it. But you will later. You're, you're storing up treasures inside of your heart that the Holy Spirit is going to come and breathe on. And, and it's, it's, it's wisdom to get information in us with a loving heart when we read the Bible and we go, I love you, reveal your word to me. And if we don't feel it just then, it will pay off in the end, I promise. I promise it will pay off. And intercession is the same thing as intimacy. And I want, I've heard people say, you know, well, I'm a Mary Bethany. I, I do the sitting at his feet thing, but I just don't really get the intercession thing. I want to say that those two are the same thing. And explain to me how you can be close to God, hearing his word, developing a love for his ways, and not go out and have your heart ache to see his desire released upon the earth. There is no separating these two. Now I know that you know I know I know what people are saying when they say that. Well, most of the thing most of the thing people are saying when they say that is, well, I don't get on the microphone and pray and I don't do the intercession meeting thing. And while obviously I value that, I mean I do, I do it. I get on the microphone and pray and, and it's important that we do it together and, you know, but that is not the end of intercession. Intercession is about the way we live our life. It's about the way our heart moves and responds to our personal lives and the events in the world around us. When we begin to meditate on, on the law of the Lord and his ways, we begin to respond differently to the world around us. We begin to think, feel, and act the way Jesus did. We begin to read the news and interpret things differently. You know, I mean, this is fun. You guys, this is your second assignment. I don't know if you're going to do it, but probably a lot of you will. Go read the news and read it with a devotional heart. Read the news. I mean, all of it, all the weird stuff, the kid that beat up, the, killed the kid and he was nine. I mean, read it and go, Lord, touch me with your heart and your desires. And do it alone because you might start weeping. <laughs> but let, like, feel the pain of what's going on in the world around you. And go, this is not okay with God. And that's intercession. You know, when you go to the grocery store and you see that person in line and you just 
feel that there's depression on them and you go, God, you're like, you're looking at every detail of their life and you're, you're knocking. God is knocking on the door of every human. Right now, he's knocking on the door of every human heart and you go, break in upon their lives. It's about being and becoming living intercession. This is what Jesus was and this is what we're called to do. Psalm 119.20, my soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. I read that verse last night and it hit me just for the first time. At all times. that The psalmist lived in a reality of feeling the pain of what was going on in the world around him. And he was watching things unfold. And instead of numbing himself to the pain of it, because it hurts. And you can't be a normal person when you start to walk in this. You can't. Because normal people are desensitized. We've watched so many movies with so much violence and so much sexual immorality that when we see something, it doesn't even touch us anymore. We see it and we go, that's not that big a deal. It's PG-13. I can watch it. But I'm telling you, living in this reality, you begin to not want to watch certain things and not want to listen to certain things. And Things that are not a big deal, they're not that big of a deal, they're not that bad, they become a big deal because guess what? Those lyrics are not going to be sung in the age to come. Why? Because they're not pleasing to the Lord. I'm hitting secular music right now. I wasn't planning on that, but... I mean, I love music, and I've listened to music my whole life, and I still listen to stuff, and I'm like, why am I even listening to this? Like, it's not that bad, but you know what? I'm going to be singing it for the next few days, My mouth is going to be open, declaring these things. And we might not think that matters, but I'm telling you, it matters. What you say, what you sing, what you listen to, it affects how you think, how you feel, and how you act. We need to take things like this seriously. Because there is a a darkness that is coming upon the earth, and it is right, it's on us. It's upon us right now. And I'm telling you, it's going to get thicker and darker and wickeder. And every ounce of compromise that we have right now is going to affect our ability, not only our personal ability to stand, it's going to affect our ability to turn others around us. When we understand God, it changes how we feel and interpret the world around us. And it becomes our primary agenda to see his desire released upon the earth. And that is friendship with God. That is what intimacy is, and that's what intercession is. It's not just about praying on a microphone or in a group. There are people who can't talk, who live intercession. It's not just about, you know, a public expression. It'll affect our thought life, our dream life, our prayer life. It'll affect our relationships. And this, this, so I'm I'm, I'm telling you this because I want to bring this down to something that's doable for us no matter what our personality type is, no matter what our gift mix is, not everybody's going to be a preacher, but I'll tell you what, everybody has a sphere of influence. And we're going to stand before God someday, and and we're going to know whether we were faithful in that sphere of influence. And it might be two people, and you might not be that articulate. You might never have a microphone in your hand and talk. But I'll tell you what, you have friends that you're going to relate to. And what you do inside and the decisions you make and the, and the closeness with the Lord is going to affect their lives because we can't, we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. And that's, that's even more freaky to me than being alone in front of God. I'm like, I'm responsible for the people in my life because I affect them. That's scary to me. It's real. Read through, read through the epistles. 
Paul's life was, I mean, he lived his life poured out for the sake of others. And the decisions he made for holiness, the decisions he made to give himself to the knowledge of God, produced fruit in others. And every one of us have that call in our lives, no matter what our influence is. So, so walk out of this room and be conscious that God is looking for those who will enter into this. He has feelings about things, opinions about things. He has emotions. He wants to speak. He wants to speak to you. So when he knocks on the door of your heart, respond to him. Give yourself to the study of the word. Read the Bible. Get this information in you and Give the Lord a place and a landing strip to speak to you. And when you don't feel like it, do it anyway because I'm telling you it pays off. In 40 years, it is going to pay off. And you might not feel that different next week, but I'm telling you, I mean, I just I think of Mike, and I get to, we get to hear Mike preach all the time. And I'm like, he's been doing this for so long. And I've been listening to him for five years. And I'm just like, he loves the word. He loves the word. And I am not content to say, well, you know, God just gave him some gift because he had a chariot experience. No way. I'm not waiting for a chariot experience. I'm not waiting until Jesus shows up in my bedroom. He has given us something that is so valuable and precious that we're going to be searching out forever. And oh, far be it from me that the day I stand before God, he's going to say, you had so much more available to you. Oh, Oh, I would have given you so much more. That is the most terrifying thing I can possibly imagine. So, that wraps up. She's breathing down my neck here. <laughs> no. um, so, I want to pray for you guys really fast. Can I do that real fast? And then the other people are coming. Um, the other people, <laughs> whoever they are. Lord, I ask that you, all across this room, would release... Grace, I do ask you for grace, God. I ask you for grace to respond rightly, to seek you out in your word and to obey your commands. Father, I ask for every heart in this room that you would give a love for your ways. Father, that you would release right now an appetite for purity, for righteousness. Father, that these ones would approve those things that are excellent, that they would walk worthy of you, fully pleasing in every good work. This is not about a a heavy yoke, Jesus. It's about delighting in obeying your commandments, that we would love to be humble, that we would love the way that your son lived. God, I ask you to make us like him. Make us like him, that every person in this room, when we stand before you, that it would be said of us, that we did not waste one opportunity to draw near to you. God, let it be said of us, how far will you take us? How far will you take us in closeness with your heart that you would raise up people from this room who would partner with your son, who would not sleep but would stay awake and watch with you for an hour in history. God, that we would stay and watch with you We ask you to give us the greatest gift any man can be given, the gift of intimacy, the gift of receiving your very heart imparted into our own. Give us this highest glory of man that we would understand and know you. Ask you for friends from this room that you would raise up friends for your son. 
In the name of Jesus, amen.